0: The Black Scholars
1: Podcast. Blackscholarspublishing.com That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there.
0: So I have one question from chapter four. I'm going to, I mean, chapter four, but number four, I'm going to ask you as a black man, but well, then okay. this is a question I have to ask you as a black man from three. And it kind of goes into four, but when she said the projects that her dad was from, and I know like my dad doesn't talk a lot about his childhood in Mississippi, he mm-hmm. was the mayor of the time frame. And then you moved to Wisconsin
1: You're talking about her dad.
0: Talking about her dad. Then you marry a white woman. You live in some town that nobody's ever heard of. Mm -hmm. It's like, at least if you're going to be a black person from the projects or the country, like, if you're going to marry a white woman, live in the inner city or live near a city. So if anything happens, but it's like, are you running from something as a black man? Are you, do you just want to be opposite of what you were raised as?
1: You know? Do you get that from her dad, though? Her dad seems really...
0: So I get genuine. that black men. Well, he he probably is genuine because I think the dads love their kids and dads want and want a black men, right? Because we can't talk about white men. They don't have as much had not had as much adversity. We're talking about black men want the opposite experience of what they had. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of black men they marry these opposites and go into these worlds. They know they're black, but there's no like where's the black? Like how did you find this small town in Wisconsin? like why not move to a bigger city like why the conversation between you and this woman was never we need to raise our kids in an area where they're going to feel a part of the community
1: I won't lie I get her parents story confused with um, Grant's parents confused like in my mind they're kind of Minnesota, huh?
0: Grant is Minnesota his parents were no his parents were Detroit
1: yeah 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 so i get all of those stories confused because to be honest i don't focus on those i kind of zone out when it gives a backstory about the parents and how they met and stuff because that's not really the purpose of why i'm analyzing this podcast so i mean analyzing this docuseries so
0: right so i see that in terms of that but i think as a woman we look at the whole picture right here what are the pay like when and so I'm a black girl. Right? right. Right. Raised with parents who are from the south. But my mom grew up in the north. Mm-hmm. And My mom is also very good with not only code switching, but code switching between black and white. So I've seen it all. And I'm always like we'll talk about it later. But like with the science teacher, I'm always interested in people who talk about race from the mixed point of view. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, like, what was the parent's background? Like, did you talk to him about race or did you just emerge them? Like when you listen to her mom and she's like, I want people to see as people. It's mm-hmm. almost the same as people saying, I don't see color. To me, that's... It was like as teachers, so we look at a parent's background. If you've right. got a child that talks back to you, you already, when you meet the parent, you're like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So. The, what was it? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. And she
0: said it in a nicer way. People is people. I think people wouldn't be as opposed if people didn't say color, see color as color. Don't see color or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's deep. So that's all. That's and deep. I, yeah.
0: I applaud the dad because it sounds like he talks to his kids about race, which is why you said you don't get that from the dad. He talks to his kids about race. So it's almost Wait, like- Wait, what dad
1: are we talking about? Are we talking, talking about, about Ms. Stoubles? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I watched this episode maybe three times. I literally zoomed past that. Like I, I just zone, I just zone out. I don't, I don't touch the remote, but I just zone out. Cause I'm like, I just want to focus on the kids. Like, okay. Miss Stovall is super important and she's super important to the story and to the school and to this community. But I kind of don't care about her parents' background. But just, to- just as a, just as what, for what I do. I right. care, but you know, for what I what I'm trying to accomplish on the on the podcast. But no, right. you brought up very interesting points. And um when when her mom did say that, that she what was the phrase? She wished that I want people, people to see people, people as people. people. Mm-hmm. I thought about that today. Um, mm-hmm. how would society be if everyone just saw people as people? And then it's funny you said what you said about she wants everyone to be colorblind. Because I thought about that, too. And I was like, as I'm driving down the interstate, I'm actually thinking about the exact same things. So but it's you true.
0: didn't say those words.
1: Right, right, right. But I thought that in my head as a Black man, where would, what would I be without my Afrocentrism? What would I be if I wasn't a part of the African diaspora? Because it, it defines me. Like There's a reason why I named this the Black Scholars Podcast. The company, Black Scholars Publishing. And I got the clothing, Black Scholars Clothing. Like I have black and everything on purpose because that's part of my purpose. So if I didn't have a group of people I identify with, I don't know if I would be doing what I feel like is is God's work, is right. the destiny that God had for me, which is interesting. Because I guess then if everyone was colorblind, everybody would be my people. Right. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's tough as a Black man to deal with, to to even think about. But I was thinking about it earlier. So I'm glad you brought that up. Great minds think alike. So this is episode 38. Welcome back, guys, to the Black Scholars Podcast. It's me, Leonard Andre Wilson Jr., your host. And Dr. Foster is back. Welcome back, ma'am. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How are you? Enjoying my July. It's my birthday month.
1: Happy. What? When is your birthday exactly?
0: July 20th.
1: Okay, I'm going to have to write that down somewhere.
0: Yeah, so summertime, baby. We never never could celebrate our birthday in K-12 growing up, and now as a teacher, I'm never on a job where I'm celebrating my birthday. So when you have a birthday in the summer, you're just used to celebrating it with friends and family.
1: That's the way it should be. I'm one of those weird educators where I prefer for kids not to know my birthday. <laughs> Pers- I'm for real personally. Cause I'm just, but I guess I'm kind of private like that where I'm just like, I don't want kids to know about my life, like mind your business. But, um, I mean, I give them a little bit cause you know, you got to connect to them. So they need to know connect, a little bit, okay. but I just want them to know a little bit. I don't want them Googling me. <laughs> I don't want them YouTubing me and they do it all the time. Okay. Yeah, they do it all the time. So I'm like, it you did. kids are so nosy. So nosy. All right, let's get into it. So continue with that fact of what we were just talking about. Um, ah, and and so this is great because on episode 37, I had to stop myself from discussing the very end of episode three. If you remember how episode three ended with um with, what's his name, Mr. God, I can't pronounce his name.
0: Mr. Physics teacher?
1: Yeah, it's the physics teacher. What is his name? Mr.
0: I thought, a, I thought it was
1: a P. It's something with a P. I had it written down somewhere, but I still can't pronounce it. Is it Perdoler, Perdoli, something like that? Maybe. Let's just call him Mr. P, because I'm going to butcher his name, Mr. P. P. Sounds great. And he's a physics teacher too, so that works. Right. So with Mr. P, who is a part of the racial equity um, learning strand. He's a part of that. And actually, he's more on the extended side. Um, And feel free to jump in. But it's a little confusing on the documentary because they talk about the learning strand in Mrs. Stovall's class with one other uh, white male teacher At the school. And he kind of is the head of it. Right. And then also in episode three, it's it shows us a meeting. And that meeting was fabulous. And I broke that down already about um, where the superintendent was there. The principal was there. The parents were there. Very powerful quotes there. um, And realizations uh, about the lack of sense of urgency at Oak Park River Forest High. And. So fast forward, so fast right. forward past all that. Okay. So then at the very end, we have Mr. P sitting there with Charles, one of our favorites. He's the comedian. He's the, uh, spoken word artist, the poet, the rapper. Um, he's very funny. Um, and he lives in a single parent household. Uh, they kind of describe that I believe in episode one or two, and we got a chance to see how tight the bond is between him and his mom. So, right. Mr. P sitting there with Charles and he's sitting there with Jada. I love Jada. I've had students like Jada. I would probably make an argument that when I was in high school, I probably was like a male version of Jada because I challenged everything. And if I felt like something wasn't funny, whether it came from an adult.
0: Was that in episode three or four? Was what? Okay, the, the meeting between Mr. P, Charles and Jada.
1: Maybe it wasn't four, but you know how three ended, three ended.
0: Where they were in class.
1: They were in class. That's right. Thank you for correcting me on that. Okay. And they got the assignment. What was the assignment?
0: It was some type of essay. And then episode four is when they were all talking about like the essay.
1: I think in episode four, I don't know. Anywho, how how three ends, Mm -hmm. how three ends, And this is the part I didn't address on the previous podcast episode, and I wanted to save it for this, and I'm glad that I did, is we have Mr. P, who is a white Anglo-Saxon Caucasian male high school physics teacher, okay? For any adult, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your background, your ethnicity, your native language, your culture, you've got to connect with a diverse group of kids okay you already have an age barrier so you have to find a way to relate to them you want them to not necessarily like you but you do want them to enjoy being in class And you want to find a way to keep them engaged and to try to increase i'll say their intrinsic motivation even right. though most high school kids are not intrinsically motivated right um, they're really extrinsically motivated, which for the most part is grades and whatever rewards they feel they get or should get for having positive grades, whether that's their parents, buying them things they want to, trips, vacations. I mean, let's keep in mind again, Oak Park River Forest is an affluent, wealthy community and district. They're doing well for themselves. So that's not out of the norm if kids expect some type of rewards for doing well, okay? Um, but we see Jada and Charles and this, is it an AP course, Dr. Foster? That's a, is that an AP physics class or just a physics class?
0: It, it could be just physics, but to take physics, you had to have taken biology, chemistry, and earth science.
1: Right, right, of course. So, because I do know Jada is in other AP courses, Mm-hmm. I know she has honors courses, so maybe this isn't, but it's a physics class, and if anybody's taking physics in high school, unless you really, really love science, and you really have a gift for science, uh, you probably had some struggles with it, and I'm thinking back to my experience in high school with physics, and yeah, I, I had some trouble. I wasn't very I've focused on that class. <laughs> oh my, it's um, it's uh, entertaining, to say the least. It's an entertaining class, and um, and so Jada, and, and we don't know Jada's full story yet, as far as her parents. We got a chance in episode four to see mom, and mom is very involved, right?
0: Right. But I think for sake of the episodes and probably the series, we don't really need to see Jada's background right now. We we need to see Jada as Jada, as probably the student that comes full. Right but brings like this perspective of not here to play.
1: Let me tell you why I want to know, because one, they're giving us everybody else's background. <laughs> right. So I'm like, give me Jada's like right, because right. Jada's Jada is fair skin. She's light skin. Um, so, and, and, and to me, it really doesn't matter if her dad is white or if her dad is black, he, she could, just have a regular black dad. Like he might not be white, but she's really light-skinned. Her mom is really light-skinned. It doesn't really make a difference to me, but it is interesting how the filmmakers choose whose story to go deeper into. So maybe we'll get that in future episodes, I hope with Jada, because she's a very interesting uh, scholar and just a human being person uh, per- personally. Um, and her personality, like she has a fabulous personality, but like you said, she's not here for play. Um, she's very focused she's diligent, um, she's opinionated, and she's not apprehensive about sharing how she feels. And we see that open up between episode three and four. So here's a part about three that I really wanted to talk about in the last episode that I didn't, and we're gonna get into on this one, is, uh, and this is gonna open up a, a whole nother can of worms, but let me let me try to compartmentalize that in my brain right now. Let's just focus on race. Mr. P, he's a white guy. He's teaching high school. He's trying to be as relatable as possible, but he's saying some jokes and he's trying to make the race issue. He's trying to make it more lighthearted. He's trying to bring down whatever tension might potentially be there. And at the same time, he's pissing Jada off. Charles- Charles is fine. Charles is laughing with him. Charles is a goofball. He's a comedian. He's fine. But Jada's not here for it. And the part that hurt me as a father, as an educator, as a Black man, especially in times like this, when she said she doesn't feel comfortable in that class at times and it's affecting her learning and at times she just wants to leave the class in the middle of class, oh, my. Like, seriously, I had to grab my Roku uh, remote, which I can rarely find. I had to hit pause and just sit there and think for a second. Because to me, that was a red flag. If a student says their learning is being uh, affected, impacted by what I, the classroom instructional leader, is doing in class, time out, red flag. Whoa, what did I do? let me figure this out. And then that's going to lead us to another discussion about Mr. P. But what were right. your thoughts on that so, on episode three about what she said?
0: Okay, so my thoughts on that, um, and again, just maybe I'm getting the conversation between three and four mixed up, but basically it's all the same conversation. Yes. Um, One thing Jada says is that she really doesn't find the racial jokes funny or anything alike it funny. As well as she uses the word shuck and jive. And mm. in Black households, we learn that. You know, my parents have taught me that. Mm-hmm. Don't let people shuck and jive with you. Look at those Black people who are shuckers and jivers. This is, this is um, col- I'm not an English teacher, but do you call these colloquialisms or things that we just say in the African-American household?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so I will say this the conversation that Mr. P and the English teacher had together that night at the dinner table, it was a really good conversation, right? Between a black person and a white person. And they both made valid points. And I think that Mr. P is coming from an area of, he is comfortable around black people, right? I'm going to give that to him. He's comfortable enough to have race conversations with black people and think that he can go and be the, the, leader that leads <clears throat> that with the kids mm-hmm. but i think also jada makes a good point who are the kids on the panel like jada's deep you all are implementing these racial get along you're trying to know me but who are the kids on the panel and i'm telling you it doesn't make me feel comfortable but then mr p's response is well charles seems fine with it and we're getting it from the people above so you feel comfortable and so in that moment right there, it's when I also noted, this is a, this right here is a further, further conversation that needs to happen by itself, because what this is, is it's your cycle of research. They are trying to implement with this um, racial equity literacy strand they're doing in the classroom, and now mm-hmm. they need to see what's working and what's not. And just like you do in research when you're writing qualitative dissertation, you need information information needs to be gathered from all parties. And we right. can gather Charles, and we can gather Mr. P. But if you don't bring what Jada says to the table, what you're doing is not valid.
1: Right.
0: Because I see Charles's point. But see, Charles is also, again, he's a lighthearted person, right? And so I, I would also ask, as a Black female, I have observed, I don't know if I've been in that position before, but I have observed Black men and Black women who will laugh with the joke, whereas I'm the person sometimes, I'm not laughing with the joke, I'm Jada. I'm like, we're, we're here for physics, we're here for, you know, don't laugh and joke with me about my hair when I'm here for academics. You need to find another strand of racial sincerity to talk to me about.
1: Or not. Mm-hmm. Or not. Like, Jada is a serious enough, astute enough scholar where our connection could be strictly academic. Like you can make connections within the curriculum, within the lessons, within the projects. That should be the connection he has with her. And I wasn't counting, but looking at that physics class, how many black kids did you see altogether, including Jada and Charles? Was it there's like one, three or four?
0: Yeah, there's one that sits next to Jada. Yep. And she kind of smiles but she keeps her head down right. and didn't count anymore. But another thing I want to say, too, just like how we know that all white people are not the same, white people have to know that all black students are not the same and they don't all come from the same background.
1: We are not. We are vastly diverse. Mm-hmm. This is. A... So, Go ahead.
0: Well, and so you have you have kids and you could show up and they had 20 kids in front of them, all grandma. And then now your kids come in and you have mom and dad. Right. And that conversation has to now go totally different than when you were shucking and jiving with grandma. All
1: right. So, Lord and so what
0: they have to, what, what that teacher needs to realize is like you just said, or not, it could, he can align with her in academics. But mm-hmm. I think that that is where the conversation, more conversation has to be had in terms of you've gotten Charles, you've gotten him to engage. Jada is already engaged. So how can you keep her engaged on a different level?
1: So, Lord, um, uh, 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 I apologize listeners. This is going to, this going to, no matter how I edit this, this is going to sound very discombobulated, but then it's going to all come together and everybody's going to be like, Oh, okay. I get it. I see it. Um, uh, it's so many different conversations to have just about. So I, I know a Mr. P, okay? Doesn't go by the name Mr. P. I've worked with several Mr. P's. And they give us the backstory of Mr. P. His dad or granddad was heavily involved in the different world wars and the Civil War. And he was on uh, uh, the union side, if you will, okay? Uh, Dad or granddad was an abolitionist and Mr. P was this was instilled in him about equality and diversity and racial sensitivity. And, you know, he grew up in Oak Park. And as I said on episode one, go back to the 60s, go back to the 70s. Oak Park, Illinois has been a community of open arms where they've embraced African-Americans. They try to avoid the white flight. Um, in the young white liberals state. But to the point that Glenn Singleton said on episode three, we see with white liberals, their activism, their participation against racism and discrimination, it only goes but so far until it gets to the point where it's uh, interfering with how they see things and how they live life. Because whether you're the most liberal uh, uh, white American to ever have existed, you still have this little thing in your pocket called white privilege, and you can't get rid of it. You can reject it, but you're still going to benefit from it no matter what. So Mr. P has studied. It's a part of his family. He's done the research. He's written about it. He actually hands Jada and Charles a uh, a memoir that he's written on race and gives it to them for them to read. And at the end of episode four, we see Jada being as honest, opinionated, and candid as she can possibly be about just what you said, Dr. Foster. Like, look, race is not a joke to me. And actually, that's the title of the show. She There's even, nothing funny about race.
0: Nothing funny about it. There's Nothing funny. My dad has always taught me that. The quote she left, she left out with was, when you guys talk about race in class, you're not taking it seriously.
1: Mm-hmm. And so then, Jada and Charles, two African-American kids, similar upbringings, as far as what we know thus far, on the docuseries. And... They're at odds with each other because, again, Charles, lovable, loves to laugh, make people laugh. He's a comedian. He wants to make light of the situation. And it's much to the point that I said earlier when I'm driving down the interstate and I'm thinking about what Mrs. Stovall's mom said. Was that Mrs. Stovel? That was Mrs. Stovall's mom that said that, right? That we just what if people just saw people as people, whatever that phrase was. Um, And so again, I understand Jada's point and I am a male version of, of Jada. And I saw Charles point and I am an older version of Charles. I see both. And I guess I'm trying to figure out who's not necessarily who's right or who's wrong, But can it be both at times? So I think they're
0: kids. And so there is no right or wrong because we're all continuing through life uh, having internal conversations about race as well as Mm -hmm. having external conversations about race. And so like, you know, I've talked with a lot of my colleagues at this point in time in my life, I'm at the point in race where I don't want to go to another workshop where we go from slavery to Jim Crow to now. If, right. if you have read about the history before we get to a workshop. We right. don't. We you you are holding us back, and right. that's what I tell my friends about race. You are holding yourself back, and people are holding you back. If you need them to explain the last three hundred years to you before we get started, right. three hundred right. years is going to take you forty minutes, and then you have fifteen minutes to talk about where we're going next. Right. So, I think that Jada is valid, and of course Charles is valid, but I would like Charles to speak more because I was mad he teacher. shut down he shut down he shut down and i don't know is that a, a male I, thing? i'm not gonna say african-american male but i don't know if that's a male thing because males generally like to keep peace and they don't like any spats back and forth and i honestly the teacher held him held his held held his side but jada held his side and i didn't see that ending i didn't see that ending even with the kids coming in class and so i think that with charles there's some there's something else that Charles think Charles is thinking that he just is not going to verbalize in that kind of setting
1: and also remember episode 4 there's a situation going on with his dad that he he's dealing with well. yeah mm-hmm. so he has a lot of other things on his mind as well too with his own relationship with his father that if i were in his predicament at that time I wouldn't want to get into a debate with Jada about that either I I understood why he shut down
0: and I just thought of something right now I don't know if what I'm gonna if what I say is right or wrong because I've actually had a black male in his 40s tell me two weeks ago when I talked to him about race he said look at you with your privilege and my response back to him because I'm very analytical is if I can pick up and read a book and you think that's privilege that I don't know where you're coming from. Because reading, if you think reading is privilege, then you need to reteach yourself. But one thing I just thought about is, like you said, he had other stuff going on in his life. Mm -hmm. It is, first of all, a privilege in Mr. P's size for white people to sit down and just talk about race and not do, but it's also a privilege when you think about it for black people to just sit down and talk about race without having to sit down and talk about race, but not sit down and talk about you going through the juvenile justice system, what's going on with your parents. Uh, You're not having to think about money and other, and other things that are going on in your life. Those are other factors, but for us to just sit down and just talk about race and not have to talk about these other factors that could be affecting us, personally mm-hmm. that's a privilege within itself and at that point in time Charles did not have the capacity to talk about that because he had other things going on in his life Jada may not have nothing adverse going on in her life right now so all she does is have time to focus on physics and race and and how you're going to address me with race but what I see is not the right way to be addressed and I'm going to address you back right You know, that's a privilege within itself if we think about it somebody black to be able to address somebody back you call somebody boy and you say no no sir i'm a sir so when you Mm -hmm. call me sir then we can have a conversation
1: that's a privilege within itself i'm gonna piggyback on that i also think and hopefully i'm not just reiterating what you're saying but to piggyback on that don't you think what charles did is privileges is black privilege as well well let me not even call it black privilege let me call it black middle-class privilege for him not to participate in the debate. And I mean, anyone could just not, you know, refuse to participate, but besides the issues that's going on with dad, everything you just said, you know what it made me think about? It made me think about their mothers again, back to, I believe it was episode one or two, we have the opportunity to meet um, Charles mother. Okay? And we see them working out together and they have a great relationship. Dad's not really in the picture. Um, mom mentioned that she planned on either going to law school or med school and she had Charles early. She had him at a really young age, which might be the reason why they have such a, a closer relationship than, I guess, a traditional black mom and, 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 and son. But now she's in IT. So I remember my notes for episode one or two, whenever that was, And I said, financially well off. Now, I mean, I don't know what position she actually does in IT, but IT, as we all know, is a vastly growing, developing field, and it's going to continue to be that way for the foreseeable future. Um, So, and we see them moving. She's, She's doing well. Charles is doing well, despite the fact that he doesn't have his dad there financially he doesn't have to worry about the same things that other kids have to worry about. To our point, when we talked about what uh, what Kendall has said in his creative writing class, he feels a burden. And that was in episode three. He feels a burden or, or, or a guilt that he's not in the same situation that other African-American kids in Chicago may be in simply because his aunt and his uncle were there to pick up where his mother and father could not. So I do think the socioeconomic part has a huge, it plays a huge factor in who Charles is and the fact that he just wants to do things that make him happy. He wants to focus on getting into a great college, getting a great career. And if you go back to episode one, and those one-on-one interviews with with Charles' mother, she explicitly said she didn't want Charles growing up like the other Black kids that he was seeing in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that both there there in my mind, is there a right or wrong way to tackle racism and to talk about it? And I think the two of them being <laughs> high school students, that mm-hmm. was both of their ways. Uh, Jada could be a head-on person. Right. right? I'm going to meet you head on and meet you in the hallway. That's always, that's me. But right. Charles is like, nah, it's okay. It's cool. Yeah. Just not right now. All right. We'll, when there's a bigger situation, we'll get to it. Not right now. And that could be Charles's way.
1: And I think we see that um, just stepping away from the documentary for a sec. We see that in real life right now. We have some people, especially, specifically social media, you see a comment from, from someone racist or someone practicing bigotry. And you have those African-Americans who are going to address it directly. And, and, and some are gonna take it even to another step. They're gonna take it farther and they're going to um, contact their buddy in IT and they're gonna give such and such as username and they're gonna scroll through their pictures and their social media and they're gonna scroll up through the internet and they're going to find out where that person works. And then they're going to take screenshots and send it to that person's corporation. That's why you got a lot of people, a lot of Karens, a lot of Karens getting fired right now for right. things that they're doing on social media and offline as well. That makes its way to social media. And then you have other people like Charles who, and I'm speaking from an honest perspective when I say this, sometimes you just get tired. Yes. Um, especially right now. Right. You get tired. It's so much going on. We got, You know, um, the whole NASCAR, Bubba Wallace thing. We got George Floyd. We got um, Breonna Taylor. I mean, there's so many names. Mm -hmm. I can't remember them all. Um, And again, the entire purpose for this documentary that even created this started with everything that was happening in Ferguson. Everything that happened in Ferguson. And then they had the Black Lives Matter Student uh students of color only assembly, and then all of the white parents and families went crazy and contacted the, the central office and the superintendent, and it made the news and it and it right. spread, it went viral. Um, so this thing is embedded in race. And so for that point, sometimes you just get tired. Like, you know what? We could do this, I could block you, I could find out where you work, I could sometimes you're just like, you know what, just, just leave me alone. Like I can't mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, like dealing with racism and oppression and all this other stuff on a consistent basis is draining. It's tiring. I'm not saying that means give up and don't do anything about it, but you still have to practice self-care as an African-American or a minority in this country. You just have to protect yourself at times.
0: Right. No, it doesn't mean give up. But like I've talked to some people and I think it's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: People call me, they want my views on education and racism. I tell them at the very beginning of the conversation, I said, can you handle my view? you gonna be mad. Um, what I tell them the bottom line is, and something my dad has always taught me, mm-hmm. stay focused on the money, stay focused on the economics. This is what I always tell people. you know, you listen to rap music and they're always talking about money, money, money but it's true, stay focused on the money and stay focused on the economics because they say follow the money and where's right. the money leading to? Right. And, and I definitely agree with all the people uh, in terms of symbolism, we have the you know statues, we're painting everywhere, let's follow the money. Let's follow that up with uh, everybody that showed up for a Black Lives Matter painting on the street, let's also show up at the next city council and where's the budget at? Exactly. Um, the budget should be made public. It should be you learn the rules the budget should be made public how many days in advance of a meeting so right. that you don't have time to do it now how many days in advance do I need to be able to speak for my three minutes at the city council meeting right. how many days in advance how, what the who votes just like when you watch C SPAN and you see who's voting for what bills in Senate and Congress
1: yeah.
0: who's voting for who's voting where to where the money goes do you right. live in that person's district? Right. Or is it an at-large? Is it an at-large board? That's where the focus goes next. And so, yes, you can get um, inundated. You forget the names. I never want to forget names. I'm never going to forget Emmett Till. I'm never going to forget these these uh, pe- people's names, African-Americans' names. But we have to focus on the economics of money because that's what it boils down to. That's okay. what this country is founded on, capitalism. And that's what that's what's not taught, and that's where people miss the mark. Right, and we can be mad all day long at police shootings, but we um, have—is it called qualified immunity? Mm -hmm. Police are doing what they can do, so you have to change the law, and so that's what people have to focus on. Um, And so I don't know—I said that to say you're right. You're right. The kids—the kids are right. They are are both of them. They're right. Yep. They're discussing it as best as they know how because. If, you're, if you were to ask me when did I first discuss race, yep. you know, African-American history is different than discussing racism. Of course. Right? Yeah. I don't know when I first discovered, when I first started talking about racism, because I'll be honest with you, when I first started teaching in Memphis and Mississippi, I taught in an all-Black environment. I never faced racism on the job. I never faced it until I moved back home to Maryland. Liberal state. But that's another podcast topic.
1: Yeah. And as far as teaching is concerned, um, of course, I started out as a special education teacher and crossed over to regular ed. I always discuss racism with my students. And even when I was in Millington, um, that's still predominantly white. It's a different type of white. They're not as affluent as the district I'm in now. But white kids, black kids, Asian kids, Hispanic kids, it doesn't matter who my demographic in front of me is. I always talk about race because for me, I can teach. And I say this all the time. I can literally teach the academic standards with my eyes closed. Mm. The thing that makes it jump out and kids be able to take those skills and progress and show growth and reach achievement, which is definitely the issue of Oak Park River Forest and schools like it across this country is this achievement gap, which leads to a socioeconomic gap, a widening wealth gap. It starts with life lessons. That's that's what I get excited about teaching. So I don't want George Floyd type situations happening, but when they do happen, I get in that classroom with highly complex texts and we break it down. And we have a discussion and we continue to refer to it throughout the year. So by the time they leave my class, they don't realize all the technical skills I've been teaching them. They remember those stories. Right. But the skills come with it. So I'm just, it's kind of like, you remember what what did Tupac say before? Um, He said something about when making music, like you have to put the medicine like in the, and something sweet right like in the jello and the pudding whatever it is like okay they don't get it they don't get it if you just try to give it to them dry they won't get it but if you put a story behind it that's authentic and means something outside of you know just showing mastery on the standard or doing well on the standardized test the kids will get it right that's the trick that's the trick so definitely um
0: I don't know who you want to talk about next but i definitely want to talk about uh, mr byers michael byers the behavior specialist
1: i am excited to introduce you guys to black scholars clothing in this apparel we've got unisex t-shirts hoodies sweatshirts tank tops i've even got items for kids and babies i've even got items for women's athletic The link for the clothing store is in the show notes as well as social media, but I'll say it one time, tspring.com forward slash stores forward slash black scholars. Use the promo code scholars to save 20%. Thank you for supporting the podcast and enjoy the fresh gear. I did have him on my list, but let's finish out Jado really, really quick. Um so and finishing out Jada more so the teacher Mr. P the physics teacher and I'm saying that I've worked with this educator before I've worked with this type of instructor before just because and you kind of said this already just because you've done the reading the studying you know you've done a thesis on it you've written a dissertation on it unless you are actually it And that it is African-American, Black in America. You can't relate. You're doing your best. You're doing more than most. We appreciate that. But you can't relate. And you also can't take those theories that you have formed and molded over the years through your reading and teaching and different students you deal with and try to apply them to everyone. It doesn't work that way. Like we said, Charles, you can joke with Charles about race, okay? Not everyone is Charles. Jada's not Charles, clearly. So for teachers who are like that and are listening to this podcast, please stop. Please stop. Because, I mean, I've studied the indigenous people, uh, uh, Native Americans, since I was young, especially being from Wisconsin, since I was young. And that's actually a part of my heritage, like a small percentage, but it's a part of my heritage. If I ever have a Native American student in my classroom, do you think I'm going to joke to them about race? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't even try to approach that. Or anything that I've learned about their culture and everything that happened to them, I'm not going to apply it as a theory and just assume that it's going to work and trying to relate to them. You've gotta focus on the actual kids. That's why I said it's so important to get to know your kids. Like you truly have to take time to build relationships and build rapport with your students. And, and I hate this phrase, you know, uh, me and Dr. Foster listeners, by the way, we have an ongoing list of words that we want to be uh, retired. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that we never want to see again, that we see all over social media and in the news. And um, here's the, here's another phrase for us. Read the room, but it's true. I need my Anglo-Saxon brothers and sisters in, and in, in this thing we call education in this profession to read the room. If you make a, a joke, that's not racist, but it deals with race. And, some of the reaction is not so uh, receptive. And you can tell just by reading body language if a kid can relate to what you just said or if you just made them uncomfortable. And here we have Jada telling him directly, like, you're making me feel uncomfortable. Like when he picked up her coffee cup, I felt her. I was like, yo, don't touch my coffee cup.
0: Right, that's, that's one thing that you have to be careful of. You can't, you can't touch kids' stuff because just like, um, I've like with touching hair, you know, I have exactly.
1: Yo, let's call, you know, really quick and and I'm not to bash on Mr. P, but Mm -hmm. there were a couple of things that he said. So the coffee cup thing, and he was asking, well, I didn't know you were OCD or whatever like that. Okay. That could be offensive if she really was OCD, because that's an actual diagnosis. Um, he said something when he was talking to Miss Stovall, and they were not at school. I don't know whose house they were at. Maybe his. Um, but he said something about, I know about weave. Did you catch that?
0: Yeah, that was that one-on-one conversation. Yeah, had. yeah. He
1: was like, I know about weave, so I can, I'm like,
0: huh? But, no? but you could see it in her eyes. Her reaction was, yeah. weave is not the end-all, be-all to get to know Black students.
1: Yeah, and not all Black girls wear weave.
0: I didn't wear, I did, I, I didn't wear one until senior prom.
1: And also, it's wrong to associate weave with Black women, Black girls, period, because uh, regardless of race or ethnicity, I see everyone, I mean, you know, who's not doing natural, wearing weave. First of all,
0: as a professional. Yeah. So as a professional female, maybe one-on-one I can talk to an African-American female about weave, but never will I say it out loud in the classroom. But if I were to take it from a female standpoint, talking about males you know, black boys brush their hair a lot for the waves, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I can be a jokester with my students sometimes, but I'm, I also have real lame jokes. The, the most I've ever said to students is, you know, how many times are you are going to brush? The waves have waved out. You right. know, that's the most right. I'm going to say. But right. I also have to realize what is the psychology of why African-American males are brushing their hair to get waves? They're not getting conks anymore, like what Malcolm X got when he was mm-hmm. seeing when the police came. And he put his hair in the water. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a way of waving out the naps, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's to, a more
1: attractive form of hair. Yeah. As,
0: mm-hmm. as, as, as Eurocentric thinking wants us to think that. And so to talk about that out loud, it's, it's making light of what they could be conscious of. Exactly. Okay? You know, people, girls wear weaves for a reason. Right. Because we think that I'm supposed to have long hair or I can't wear my hair in cornrows if I have no perm. So mm-hmm. I must cover it up. And so talking about these things sometime opens up other doors, like how Jada said, I don't feel comfortable. It opens up other doors that you should not put kids in in a predicament in the classroom.
1: And let's keep going. He also said something about um
0: her being slow, her timing.
1: Yeah, but he just said, Wow, you're slow, and then he paused. Now, as, I'm not gonna say I'm a comedian. I'm a pretty funny guy. Maybe I don't show it a lot on the podcast because I'm usually talking about serious issues on here. But I feel like I'm a funny guy. And I study comedy. Like, I love comedy, the writing of comedy. And I like dry humor, okay? That pause means everything in comedy. When he said, oh, you're slow. But he was talking about her physical time when she was out there racing. And she recorded her time down and on, her, on her lab report. And he was looking at that. But just the fact that he called her slow, and then there's other kids around, they're picking up on that too. So it's like observational learning, right? Right. And you have one of the few Black kids or Black girls in this class, there's probably two of them, and you're calling her slow. You're not calling her slow mentally but that's where everyone goes after you pause after saying slow and he even corrected himself and tried to laugh about it. And she just sat there and looked at him like, I might have to kill this man. Like that's exactly how she looked. Yeah.
0: I mean, even if he was, even if he didn't say it, that he was actually talking about her slow being running, the fact that you are honing in on that is also like.
1: The pause, he knew what he was doing when he said that. As a jokester, and I joke around with kids, that pause means everything. And kids, they speak at that age, especially high school, they speak sarcasm very, very well. Very well. Right. So, you can use it with high school kids. you
0: can't yeah. use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, the last thing that he said that I was, like, appalled. So when he passed the memoir about race to Jada and Charles, okay, when he passed it out to them at first, um, prior to them getting a the chance to read it, Okay. And he was explaining to them, and he was saying, you know, educators, we're pressured. And then he goes on this quick diatribe about um, this list of things that educators feel pressured about, right? And one thing he said, and I want to know if you caught it. He said, the pressure to fix Black people. I said, where's this Roku remote? I couldn't pause it fast enough. I said, let me go back rewind. You <laughs> really just say that? And 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 you know what? Jada didn't have a reaction to it because it's like when someone's telling you something and they're giving it to you in a flurry, you know, you're still cognitively processing all of that information. But as soon as he said it, I caught it immediately. I said, huh? What what listen, listen listeners, 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 and I want you to jump in, listeners. Talk to your white educators, and I and I'm not naive, I'm not an idiot. Um I know there are uh, not strictly African American educators that listen to the black scholars podcast. I know, I know you, some of you, I don't know you. Many of you, I do know. I, I, there's even uh, white professors that have reached out to me that work in schools of education that have reached out and thanked me for the work that we're doing here. And I appreciate you guys as well. But if you have a colleague like this, or if you are that person, let me tell you something. We, we, you should feel no pressure to fix black people. We're not expecting you to fix black people and I already know what you're probably going to say Dr. Foster. This is a whole different episode. Where we can go also, into
0: but we've also never asked. We've also never asked you to fix black people.
1: We've never asked that right. ever. Asked. So where so I'm wondering where is Mr. P and you know what? I start thinking symbology. Think about it. Think about the movies. Think about uh, comic books, think about books, any form of entertainment. Even one of my favorite movies, and everybody knows this, so I'm going to use it as a reference Black Panther. Okay. So Black Panther is a superhero, superhero. Okay. His dad was a superhero. His grandfather was a superhero. His sister, arguably, is more intelligent than Iron Man with all of the technology and the medical advances that she can do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you know who actually saves them, saves Wakanda from the bad guy. It was the FBI agent, a white man. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, here we go. Here we go again. Our our white knight, our white knight in shining armor coming to save the day. Because if he didn't do what he did when he was flying, then they wouldn't have possibly been able to, you know, basically win, win that war. So it's like, there's always that. And even at the very, very end, a Black Panther after all of the credits. You got the first one when he's talking to the UN. Then you got the last one, and she's rescuing Bucky. Now I'm getting a little nerded out on the comic book trip, and I'm sorry, guys. But another white man, another white superhero. And it's like, can we just have something for ourselves? We don't need you guys to always save the day. And again, I know that's a whole nother episode. It's a whole nother topic, but again, to my to our white. Anglo-Saxon, European, Caucasian educators. You have never been asked. I know where you get it from. We don't need you to fix Black people. We don't. We don't. Because you've never said that about Asian Americans. You don't say that about Hispanic Americans. You don't say that about Native Americans. We don't need you to fix us. Right. Ever. Nope. I totally agree. In any capacity. Please don't. Don't try. We don't need it economics I'm gonna have to do I'm gonna totally have to do an episode on that Jesus all right what do you want to talk about next all right so we just spent a lot of time talking about jada but I mean to be honest that really was the focus of the episode um and again the title there's nothing funny about race so that definitely was the central central idea of this
0: I agree with that but they also brought in a new I don't want to say character but,
1: yeah they uh, did
0: Michael Byers the behavior specialist
1: yep Michael Byers Mm -hmm. he talked about the uh oh go ahead
0: i was gonna say working in high school especially you know Mm -hmm. working in uh, memphis raleigh Egypt high school i think that the role of a behavior specialist slash Mm -hmm. you know maybe that's a hall monitor but the role of the behavior specialist is very important very very important because they're not iss they're not the guidance counselor they're there for intervention yep and you need intervention if you are trying to truly change your in-school and out-of-school suspension rate. Mm-hmm. And I think that when that black man walked through the door, especially if you don't have a black man at home, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had a dad, and it was always if you argue with my mom, it was close your mouth, let her talk. You know, if I'm out in public and I'm Gary, it's do not time for you to talk right. So when you don't have that, and then you see that, I saw when he came into that room, how the young man, you know, Keyshawn, Mm-hmm. who I absolutely love. Yeah, we love Laptop Turned his laptop around, right? Mm-hmm. That's respect. That means mm-hmm. I'm not going to just let this person see what I'm doing on his laptop because I know I'm not working. Mm-hmm. When that, when the young man put his hand out to shake.
1: Yeah, when everybody turned, did. Mm-hmm. When he
0: turned it around and Keisha said, but wait a minute, you didn't shake my hand. Right. And then when Keyshawn, because Keyshawn's a jokester, we've all had him, when he said, shh, I'm trying to work right now. Don't you see me trying to work? Right. And then, and the behavior specialist said, you know, was what I always tell new teachers or just, you know, people who having fun with classroom management, it's about respect. I tell my kids all the time, I don't need high school friends. Right. Okay? I barely have friends my age. I definitely don't need high school friends. Mm-hmm. If you're going to respect me. I'm going to respect you. And I let them know I'm going to respect them. I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to yell at you. You you will be seen. You will answer some questions. I will not embarrass you. But you respect me and I respect you. And he talks about the respect, right? Because you know, it's he talks about the respect level and he talks about how he says good morning um, to them instead of just going into what you don't have and what you need. But right. let me give you a salutation, a good morning. You know, right. how are you? Because they might not have gotten that when they left the house. in the morning. It makes
1: a huge yeah. difference. Exactly. Right, they
0: might not have gotten that from a friend, from their friend, because these mm-hmm. are, again, these are, these are privileges. These are happy-go-lucky to just wake up and a parent smiles and says good morning. You may wake up and not have a parent there. And yep. if your first period teacher is a sub and they don't say good morning, they're barely making it. When do you get a good morning? Exactly. You never get it. Exactly. So I would love to see how him talk more. Um, and I think what's interesting, what he said, there's a conflict between him and the Dean of Discipline. I don't know if you caught that at the end. What'd he say? So what he said was, Keyshawn would rather, during his study hall, and that's a whole other story, these study halls in the school, it's mm-hmm. needed Because kids do need some downtime, but what are we doing in it that's productive? And so he says Keyshawn comes to him to talk about grades, to -hmm. do a little bit of work, to talk, because it's a black male figure too, right? Right. That's why Keyshawn wants to go there, if we're going to be honest. But the dean of discipline doesn't want him to go there. He wants him to stay in study hall. But what is Keyshawn doing in study hall? If he's being productive by going talking to the behavior specialist, and the behavior specialist is fine with it, why are you opposed to that? So he said that. That's how he said it. i are going to leave it at that. But that's how he said it. The dean of discipline has a problem with the fact that Keyshawn comes and sees me during study hall.
1: Are we introduced to this dean of discipline? We're not. Okay. That's why I didn't stick in my mind, because I'm, I'm really trying to uh, imagine that person's face. And yeah, okay. That makes sense. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up the behavioral interventionist. And um, last episode you were on, we were breaking down episode two. We spoke to the fact that in many of these core academic classes, we see pairs. We see a pair of general education teachers. And we both brought up the point, like, where are the special education teachers? So we knew where they were there because this is a huge school. Um, And so here we're first, we're introduced to our first special educator, who is the behavioral interventionist. Now, there's two questions I want to go with first everything yeah let me go with the shorter one so first as a black male and you've seen this before in your experience what what year are you going into by the way in education
0: over 10 years
1: okay over a decade okay and i'm going to my 10th year because i took a brief hiatus so
0: you know kids will research us so just over 10 years oh yeah
1: of course they will um so here and i'm seeing this in my educational leadership program at christian brothers university in memphis and it's some conversations that you know i've had with my cohort in grad school as well too but why are black male educators and you know where i'm going with this why are we always tasked with discipline or the most problematic troublesome youth why is it always us
0: right so Right. So it goes both ways. They also, right. the most troublesome youth, black girls, black boys, brown, mm-hmm. black, in the general education, algebra one, English nine, English ten, you know, biology, the ba- the basics, the general subjects everybody has to teach, they give them to certain teachers. Right? So that's, right. that's a whole other thing within itself, the teachers that teach subject areas. Right. Um, and so I don't want to make a generalization um, because... I've been generalized as that before and given those kinds of students, but they look at you Same. and handle it. And so it's almost, yeah, I never want to give away the secret, but I tell my <laughs> teacher friends, do you go in there with classroom management ability or do you not?
1: And I'm, I'm going
0: to just leave it at that.
1: All right. I'm not going to touch on that because then I'd lead to a longer discussion. So I'll just leave that at that. And I'm also, again, throwing that question out Uh, to the audience, to the listeners, why are Black male educators, and to your point, just strong classroom disciplinarians, why are we always tasked with discipline? But I see it exclusively everywhere with Black male educators. I have yet to see a Black male educator not be looked at as like, okay, that's the classroom management expert they can deal with this kid that nobody else can deal with hey can you just go I've been pulled out of my class and yeah. see when I when I teach I teach teach right. like I'm teaching teacher like to the science oh you say teaching is art you say teaching is a science okay I, I exhibit both in my classroom and so yeah. when I really get into a lesson I'm really in the lesson I actually I kind of black out I kind of zone out for a second because I'm in my right. zone or right. like the kids say, I'm in my bag, I'm in my bag. And so I've been interrupted in the middle of a fabulous lesson to go talk to a kid. Right. That's not in my class or that I don't even teach. I know them, but I don't even teach them. Why is my instructional time being compromised so I can go talk to this kid that y'all can't handle? Mm. We all got we all got degrees around here. We all getting paid around here. What's going on? So I'll leave that alone. Listeners, I'll let you guys reflect on that. So the other thing that you brought up with Michael Byers, and he mentioned as well, is this whole pipeline to prison where, and you've seen this before in research that you've done for sure, when we send our Black boys, mainly, Black kids, period, out of class, whether it's in-school suspension, it's out-of-school suspension, we are literally setting them up for a lifetime of failure or or, or longevity of always catching up. Sure. And it's the exact reason, as we're talking about classroom management, that I handle whatever issues I have in my class single-handedly. Right. I don't hit the button for the office for an administrator to come down. I don't text an administrator. I don't send an email. I handle it myself. Right. Because for what it would cost me to send a student to the office, how long it would take them to go there, for me to write a referral, and stop instruction, by the way, or stop helping a kid, by the way. Right. Only for them to come back the next day or two days later or whatever the situation may be. I need them in that class. Right.
0: There's a reason why we're there. Reteach. When are you going to reteach? And they're going to bother you reteach them.
1: Exactly. I need them there. Right. Instruction is not, uh, what's what's that popular book, uh, Dendrites? Was it Worksheets Don't Grow Dendrites? You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I can't just give them the work and they go into the ISS room and then now they've got it. Right. They're not going to master that academic standard or substandard or learning objective. They're not going to master those things if I hand them a worksheet.
0: Right. And Mr. Byers told us. He told us. Because also, if, you, if they have a relationship with somebody at the school, you look forward to coming. Exactly. So that's why he's not understanding why this academic dean would have a problem with Keyshawn, who you want to come to school. Yes. I mean, speak to me during a time frame when he's essentially free. There's no curriculum tied to study hall. Right. Right. Study hall is whatever the mission and vision of the principal is for that year. Because study hall is not a reoccurring elective year from year to year. It comes with whatever the mission, vision that principal wants for that year. So it could be here one year and not here another year.
1: So I've got a, and I've, and that's a great point. I've got an issue with the principal. Now, I know he refused to be interviewed along with the superintendent, but I'm being candid with listeners, Doctor Foster. I'm candid with you always. I, I'm I'm not filling the principal and superintendent. i we principal the though. I mean, I know he won't do the interviews, but I'm just just, and of course, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not there. The principal works for the school board he does let me, you the, let me give you the political answer yeah yeah yeah. but i'm in a leadership program and we have real honest conversations so and, i know what that you, looks like Peter, you will be working for the school board i will but unless i'm you probably feel like
0: you want to be a <laughs> unless you feel like you want to be a consultant but you'll be
1: working for the school board i will definitely be a consultant because i'm pretty sure whatever leadership position i get unless the board members really are willing to rock with my um I'll say unorthodox style of leadership, real, genuine, what we call it at uh, CBU, servant, servant leadership or transformational leadership, where it's like, you're going to do whatever is necessary to close that achievement gap. And that doesn't look like just following what the superintendent says. That doesn't follow just what the most important families and parents are saying. And they're emailing you like crazy. And they know this person and that person and their mayor is the cousin. And so they're going to put the pressure on you if you don't do this, that, that, or other. Like, I already know. I'm predicting my future, guys. When I get into leadership, it's going to be incredible. I'm probably going to be in the news. The achievement gap is going to close. Kids are going to achieve like crazy. Just
0: but please at, don't be in the news for giving daps to students every morning. You said what? Just please don't be in the news for giving daps to students every morning. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm not dapping anybody, coronavirus. But, <laughs> but um, to my point, I know how I plan to lead is not going to be, um, it's, it's not traditional. It's not stereotypical at all because I, I want to shake some stuff up. The status quo is not working. So when I do get that opportunity, yeah, I'm going to take full advantage of it. I'm going to take full advantage of it because the impact means more. Closing that achievement gap means more. I, I'm not looking at it like I'm going to be in here until I retire. Nope. They, you know, we're gonna have great results and they're probably gonna put up with me for a couple of years, and then they're gonna get me out of there. And I'm be like, cool. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. But this is what I need to see from the principal, the superintendent. And again, this is only four episodes in. We talk about the pipeline of prison. This is what I'd recommend for all leaders. You have to look at the data. What kids what students are being sent out of class what's the highest number of referrals when do those referrals happen is it a transition in the hallway is it after lunch is it before lunch is it late in the afternoon is it the same repeat offenders what teacher or teachers are writing the most referrals right which leads to these suspensions
0: that's that elephant in the room right there
1: exactly Do these kids have 504 plans? Have they been updated? Are they being followed through? Do they have a behavior plan? Do they have an IEP? Do they need a behavior plan? Do we need to do a a behavior assessment? Mm -hmm. Have we had the school psychologist, school social worker, take a look and have conversations with this kid, the the counselor, guidance counselor? What rapport or relationship do we have with the parents? Mm -hmm. What strategies have we tried? How long did we try them? Were they effective? Were they not effective? What do we need to get rid of? What goals can we set for this kid? What incentives can we give for this kid? Like, There is a lot of work that has to go into um, avoiding this pipeline to prison. Right. And it's not just saying, hey, Black man, we're going to make you a behavioral interventionist. Here's your salary scale. Here's your walkie-talkie. Have at it. And I'm sure Michael Byers, like most I know, I mean, you know, Michael Byers, we all do. They're great. They're great with the kids. They're great for the faculty. They're great with parents. We need them. But you have to take it a step further. Look at the data. What is the data saying? Because we need, a, we need to be on the same uh, accord. And looking at the numbers and some people, you can only talk to them through, through numbers, through statistics.
0: Well, and that's what Mr. Byers has like. looks like he's trying to rip the lid off on mm-hmm. right now, because mm-hmm. now that you say that, I'm thinking about that in terms of this academic dean, like you said, we haven't heard from him. Right. Where is the team that's discussing and disaggregating this discipline data? Right. Because is there a
1: discipline committee. There should be.
0: I mean, we have racial equity, Uh right? There's got
1: to be. Learning strength. There's got to be. And that should be a part of that discussion too. Exactly. Because if we are constantly sending kids out of class, out of school, and we even seen that right at the end of episode four, Keyshawn got suspended for three days because he got into it with uh, one of the security guards. Right. He couldn't I, even do his uh performance. What was that? He's a part of theater. He couldn't oh. even do his performance with his partner. He got suspended. Well, he was a part of.
0: But I know that he was suspended while he was talking to the teacher. And she was trying to kindly tell him, you can't be here right now. And, right. Um, and that's another thing, too. I've never, because I'm not a fine arts person, I've never, re- I haven't, this correlation between kids who have these behavioral issues and kids who are shy, it seems like one thing they all have in common is the fine arts.
1: Very true. Very okay. right. true. That is the that is the one thing that they've been highlighting that I want to highlight as well. Their fine arts program appears to be superb. Second to none.
0: Right.
1: Because with Charles and and, and, and the other kids in the spoken word, um to this theater program. The they are doing, they're doing a lot.
0: That teacher, I've never heard him talk with another teacher the way he does with her. He's like a real conversationalist with he that is. teacher. And like the English teacher is trying to get him to talk to her, right. but he talks to the drama teacher more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah, you got to look at the data when it comes to the pipeline uh, to prison because we've got to break it. You just right. can't send kids out. And I get it. If two right. kids are throwing fisticuffs, okay, obviously that's too much to deal with. They need yeah. to be separated. They need to be removed. I understand that those sure. policies I do agree with, but you know, uh, what do they call it? Is it, what's the term positive? It's a positive intervention. What's that phrase in education?
0: Is it, positive. Well, that's PBIS, but, um, No, what's P? What was the abbreviation? Positive positive behavioral intervention. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. PBI's. Okay. It's generally not as strong on the high school level. Right. Um, So that's why you said, like, what are their what are their awards or rewards? I mean, it's to participate in those fine art activities. Those. Right. What was that word you used to begin the e word? The the extra activities.
1: The Um, uh, extracurricular
0: it was a word that you used you extrinsic said. motivation. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So extra outside. So that's their, that's their motivation. Right. That, right.
1: Um,
0: yeah. That's their motivation.
1: All right. Do you, um, you, I was going to mention Charles poem almost made me cry, but you wanted to talk about Kendall's. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember Charles's. Is... It was about his dad. Oh. Well,
0: Okay, so mm-hmm. Charles, okay, I'm getting them mixed up. Okay. Um, and then Kendall, I just wanted to say that Kendall's parents are very supportive.
1: Mm-hmm. His aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And okay, so I am getting them mixed up. Charles, okay. Kendall's the one that wrote the poem in the English class.
1: And 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 I've said this before. I don't know if that's poetry. So I've been calling it prose. Okay. Because okay. I'm not sure if it's poetry. The last thing he wrote... And that means the, what?
0: Like, is that a true story?
1: Prose can be anything. It could be a story. It could be poetic. But it's not necessarily... It doesn't really fit the standards of poetry. It's just almost like a stream of consciousness. Like you're just, you know, but I guess you can call it a narrative to some extent. Okay. Yeah. So I just feel like it's a prose, but they do the snaps like it is poetry, and I'm like, ah, uh, I mean it. I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know the writing prompts that the prof or English teachers given them, so I'm not sure, to be honest. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, one question I do have. I mean, I know each student has a role in this documentary, mm-hmm. documentary series, but what is First of all, who is Talicia to Terrence? What is what? I'm trying to figure out what Terrence's role is right now. And I guess what I'm
1: saying who is, is Talicia, a- his mom. So is that the mom that's coming to the school? That's Tierra's older sister. Yes.
0: No, no, Terrence. There is okay. So there's a woman who's coming there to always see Terrence. Is she? That's sister? his mom. Okay.
1: And that's Tierra's Not older her. sister.
0: Also, oh, they all live in the same house.
1: Yeah. Oh, so we were introducing episode four to Tiara's actual mom because it was her birthday and she took her out to dinner and they were talking about grades. So we did get to see the actual mom, but she doesn't stay with her. Huh?
0: Oh, so that was mom at the sushi place. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't
1: stay with her though. She stays with her older sister, which is Terrence's mom. Oh yeah. So that's her. Terrence is her nephew. Oh okay. nephew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: I guess as a teacher, so there's so many things I want to say as a teacher, not as a teacher. Why is Terrence's mom coming up to the class to send in the classes? Because
1: now I'm she's she's done that before, because remember Terrence has an IEP. So she's done that before. Um, but this is the episode four focuses on parent teacher conferences. By the way, I hate parent teacher conferences. I'ma just be honest. I should be talking to you throughout the school year. I don't want to just talk to you this one night. We've been working all day. Now we gotta stay another well, four or five hours.
0: Conference, it seems like she was actually sitting in the class with him one time.
1: She was. That's what I said. She he he has an IEP. So she's been there before to see what he's doing, to see his progress. She's she's heavily evolved. Um but for this particular episode, it's parent-teacher conferences. And to be fair, how Oak Park um, River Forest is doing this uh, actually might be a good idea. It could be. I, I, I It could be, based on what we see. Because it looks like it's going on during the day, right? The right. The parent-teacher conferences, where parents are popping in and, yeah. But I mean, I didn't see a lot of parents, but of course, they didn't show the entire school and how many right. parents were actually there. But I guess they would schedule a time and maybe follow their schedule. I'm not sure how that would work, though, from a safety standpoint, because typically you don't want a bunch of parents there. there, Right there,
0: viewers, is all the things that we have to think about as a teacher. We would love for the parents to come in the daytime, but from a safety standpoint.
1: Safety, even just parking lot. The parking lot is kind of already filled during the day and then if you had parents in there and then how long are they there for because then now we got buses coming in and kids driving this is a high school we got kids driving kids getting picked up by their parents that sounds like a nightmare so i don't know that'd be interesting to s- i'm interested to see how do they actually do the parent teacher conferences if they're allowing them to come during the day this is
0: my question as a teacher Yeah. And I've never been, uh, I, I want kids to always go to their full potential, all the slogans, all those kinds of things. I want you to do what you feel like you have the ambition to do. Mm-hmm. But I I like that Terrence's mom is involved and she's coming. I do too. We know that he's on an IEP. I'm not his teacher as a former special ed teacher. So I don't know his range on the IEP. But I think it's interesting that the art teacher even said you know, he was very candid, and I like him. I think that you have to have teachers who are candid, and I think that sometimes parents don't like that because they want to see the ability beyond what the teacher may see.
1: Right, and I right.
0: think it goes hand in hand. When he said, you know, she wants him to go to this art school, I want to tell her, like,
1: he doesn't have that ability right now. Well, he, right? wants, and, he wants to go to an art school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure she's pushing it. But, and, yeah. and
0: that right there, I just want to tell the young educators that listen to your podcast that's always the catch 22 that we're in as teachers
1: mm-hmm. because we
0: never want to be that teacher that says, Well, yeah, I think Christian Brothers is good for you, but you may just need to start at Southwest and then transfer. Because exactly. At your, you know, because you never want to be the one where that child goes to Christian Brothers, makes it, and they're like, But see, I told you. In fact, right? yeah,
1: drop, But drop.
0: it's like yeah. the lesson of life of. What do you feel like your ability is? You can't listen to everyone around you. And I don't want Terrence's mom to get so caught up and she's listening to what all these other teachers are saying, right? Or these other teachers, you feel like you have to tell her what she needs to hear. Because I'm never one to tell the parent what they need to hear. I just lay out the data and say, This is where he's at. This is what Christian Brothers needs. This is what Southwest, you tell me, but also to say it and I always ask parents this you can show up at all the parent conferences you want but what's the work you're doing with the child at home so you have Terrence so now I forgot I didn't realize she was raising the other little girl and then it's three of them it's what are you doing
1: doing at home yeah there's also a little and she mentioned it with the art teacher there's a a younger kid too his younger brother that we see him going uh, uh, trick-or-treating with Mm -hmm. so there's four of them in the household right that's a lot of pressure. Oh. That's a lot of pressure on the, cause she seems relatively young. So that's a, that's a lot of pressure on a relatively young mom. And by young, I mean, she looks like she's uh either late twenties or early thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, that's a lot of people in one house that you're solely responsible for. Right. But um she's definitely a advocate an advocate for her son, which I love to see. Um, she doesn't appear to be overly pushy or overly involved, um, but the English teacher has commented before. I think it was episode two about Terrence and said that eh, he's really on the wrong track. Like he's on the he's on the wrong track. But you know he wasn't going to come back against her or refute her argument for wanting to keep her son um, on that college prep track that they are on.
0: Right. So. Right. Sure.
1: Yeah, I like Terrence. I'll be honest, though. I'm worried about Terrence. Um, and we've seen this in episode four where the uh, the gym teacher, the gym coach, PE coach, excuse me, had to take his hoodie off while they were playing hockey. And uh, he talked about, well, Terrence talked about why he always keeps the hoodie on. He feels comfortable there. He feels safe in his hoodie. And um, he seems like he's aware, but there seems like there is a lot there's a lot missing, which is not his fault. Um, Because obviously he has some type of learning disability. I just would love to see more support. And like you said, what's going on at home? Is he getting that support or is he just playing video games? Is he just playing with his little brother? Which is fine because kids, I will always argue, kids need the chance to be kids. Kids need the chance to... um, to enjoy their adolescence. He needs that. He needs that. that, Yeah. Yeah. He needs the opportunity, but I'm also looking at it where you specify on the kid, what is going on in that kid's life? Where are they trying to go and how big is that gap? And right Right. now with him, like you said, trying to go to art school and trying to make a career in art, And where he is now, because if even even when she showed up, you seen his painting and it was supposed to be like a 3D painting of three cups. Right. And then you seen the kid next to him, his peers painting. And even the mom commented, oh, that's nice. And then Terrence was like, yeah, he's really talented. He's really good. And my heart, like my heart dropped in. I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. Why'd she even point out the other kid's work? Like that's a blow and maybe it wasn't, but to me, it felt like that was kind of a blow to Terrence's self-confidence and he doesn't seem very confident in himself. So again, what's that gap where he is, where he wants to go and what are we doing about it? And if, if it's a financial thing, I get it. I respect it. She's doing the best she can do. And, and let's put the onus on that city, that community, that school, Schools, and I will always say this, schools were built to serve the community. Right, sure. So what that school is doing obviously isn't enough. Me and you have talked about this before, based on the ACT composite, there is a 75-year gap. It will take them 75 years on their current rate of performance for African-American students at this school to catch up with the white students. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. Can't happen. Right. So something needs to occur. And I'm hearing a lot of parents and I love those parents at that meeting on episode three, but I'm hearing a lot of parents say, and even Dr. Uh, Chala Holland has said, where's the sense of urgency? There is none. Do you remember what, what grade is Terrence in?
0: I don't know. To me, Terrence has got to be 11 or 12 if they're talking about what he's doing post um post high school.
1: So if we're talking about his and he's post class, yeah. So he's definitely either junior or senior. But if we're talking about his post secondary career and plans, if it's possible, and I'm not saying mom isn't doing this, we're just going on based on what we see on the docu series. He needs tutors. He needs help. I know she wants him to get a regular high school diploma so he can, you know, go to art college. But man, he needs some services and he's not getting them. And so as a mom, as a parent, you, she's she's left with a difficult decision. Do I put him on the sped or IEP track where and I don't know Illinois laws and everything, I don't know. But how it works in Tennessee and in most states, right? if a kid is on a sped track, they get a sped diploma. That's not an official high school diploma. Right, right. It's not. You can't use it for admission into a college or university.
0: Right. sure. And so
1: her having high expectations for her son is great. Right. But just like if you have high expectations for your class or for your school, if you're an educator... You've got to put in a plan for the kids, for your students to meet those expectations. It's just like planning a goal. It has to be realistic, smart goals, right? It's got to be realistic. What are you putting into into action to actually help him reach those expectations? Because I'm going to be candid. I'm going to be honest. What I see is mom with very, very high expectations, and she thinks that, just being involved and, and and you know, constantly contacting the, the teachers and showing up to school, that's not enough. And if she can't do it personally, then she's got to be brave, courageous enough to ask for assistance and help because he's socially awkward. Um, it was awkward watching him in English class he was he he seemed really really lost
0: right that's what i was telling you it's it's
1: right high expectations with no support that's terrible i mm-hmm. should make that a shirt i might <laughs> i'm serious i might make that a high expectations no support
0: right because who's the support supposed to come from so that's that's my question as the educator is it the teacher at this point in time, or is it the parent who has to pick in, or is it that transition coordinator? Because at this point in time, he's he's closer to graduation uh-huh. than staying in school. Yeah. So how are we transitioning him out into the real world?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because I'm gonna be frank right now, based on what I've seen, I couldn't see Terrence sitting in anyone's art college. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I feel like he would be extremely lost and just and me thinking back to when I went to Middle Tennessee State University, I took an educational law class. There are a lot of universities around the country, colleges and universities, they do not have good support systems for students with learning disabilities. They just don't. Because most students with learning disabilities are on that IEP track. They get a SPED diploma and they're not even eligible to attend college or college or a university. So I'm worried. I am worried about Terrence. Hopefully I'm wrong. Okay. This was great. Episode 38. In the books. In the books. Any last thoughts on episode four? I just want to see more of Jada. Me too. I want to see more of Jada. I want to see more of Keyshawn uh kendall yeah, I got beat up the
0: behavior specialist
1: yeah i definitely want to see more of the behavior specialist uh i think our our fear that we spoke about uh on our breakdown on episode two is true we haven't seen dr holland since oh
0: correct we haven't seen her. we haven't
1: seen her since so i think she left like at the beginning of the school year which is very very odd very very strange Hmm. especially okay. at that position. I mean, it's strange in any position in education, but it's very, very strange to that be an level. assistant principal right? and right. to leave after the school year has already started. Right. That looks so weird. And again, it could just be editing, but that looks so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, and I'm saying to you, Dr. Foster's listeners, I have been warned about, doc, uh, excuse me, episode five. I've been warned about episode five.
0: Really?
1: Yes. You haven't seen it already, have you? No. Okay, I haven't either. No, I
0: have not seen it.
1: But I heard it's a, a powerful one.
0: There's six more. One of,
1: one of my listeners told me that.
0: Okay. They Are said, we going to see the Black Lives Matter rally in any of these episodes? Or that was beforehand?
1: It happened beforehand. So I wonder do they even have footage? Because if they had footage, it'd more likely be cell phone footage for one okay. of the kids. Right, right. And I think maybe we did see some cell phone footage in episode one. I can't remember. But it would have been at the very, 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 very beginning. But uh, you could definitely Google um, or check the Chicago Tribune, New York Times. I mean, that story went everywhere.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Went everywhere. Because to Dr. Holland's point, there's a lot of racism that takes place in a place that's supposed to be diverse. It's still occurring. It's still happening. And in episode three, and I've said this already, that story that Miss um, Stobel shared about being called an N-word. On the bus? Kids, it was on the bus. Uh, I think it was, she was walking down the hall and some kids were using some derogatory. Oh, cool. okay. Yeah, they were using some derogatory terms. And even Keyshawn was like, you should have told me and whoever the other guy was, but like, we would have took care of it. I thought that was funny. But, I mean, that's still a serious issue. But just that happening, oh my, I couldn't imagine being called a racial slur by a student at work. I just couldn't imagine.
0: No, I couldn't have imagined. It couldn't have been me.
1: Definitely couldn't have been me. It
0: couldn't have been me.
1: I would have made the <laughs> Chicago Tribune.
0: <laughs> and, exactly. And I did not understand. I didn't understand the... Um consequence behind it the discipline
1: yeah which was uh after school detention i think they said right yeah and even just the reaction from her colleagues her black colleagues those kids need to be suspended her white colleagues oh no that's terrible they should have a detention for that huh detention
0: those are those things right now those are those things i feel like are also subjective because in my mind what was her point in telling her colleagues that happened unless they heard the situation. Right. I felt, yeah. I, I just feel like sometimes when we're, when we're talking to students about race, right. things that have happened to us that are racism, you know, and then the fact that they said the reason why it was after school was because they couldn't tell her race. It's like, come
1: on. These, who these, couldn't these, tell her race?
0: Exactly. So it, it was, it was, in my mind, I'm like, who couldn't? You yeah. were at, you they've seen you at the school. Like they've seen you. That's so it kinda seemed convoluted, this the it whole did. entire story. It did. Um, and I think that I get the point that she was trying to say, like, still at this age, I'm being called the N-word. But maybe to also make it relatable, maybe talk about a situation that happened when you were younger. You know, I just right. that whole story seemed kind of I don't know, seemed a little strange.
1: And she could have uh embellished some 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 details to relate to her students more. Um, But my reaction as she's telling that story, forget what your black colleagues are saying, your white colleagues are saying. If I'm the principal of that school or I'm the superintendent, um, we don't do that here. Expel. Forget a suspension. You gone. You go find another district. That's me personally. Because there's no place for that. To call an educator that? Of one of all, your faculty members?
0: What you will learn as you become a seasoned educator is it's all in the way that you can write things up. So yes, on one hand, I am very strategic very the prison pipeline.
1: Very but true. Like
0: I just told you before, you're not gonna disrespect me. And you're not gonna put your hands on me. So those if, are two things.
1: And if I'm and if I'm a school leader, you are not going to disrespect any one of my faculty members. Mm-hmm. They are doing God's work in that classroom for you right. and you might not appreciate it but i'm appreciate it for you and i'm always going to protect my people always right,
0: right. exactly yeah.
1: but you're right they could have tried to escalate it to something else and like you said it's all about documentation and what right. they could capture so whew, get some security cameras in there something wow well this was good episode 38 thank you dr foster so glad to be here i can't wait for the next episodes episode f- watch them
0: tonight <laughs> just episode to-
1: episode five it's gonna be a good one mm-hmm. all make right sure to my notes <laughs> yes ma'am all right we are done
0: okay bye educator what can i say Mamba out. thank you for listening to the black scholars podcast for more information, Sometimes. go to black
1: You just gotta go. You will never know you can ever be. If you never try you will never see. State in Africa, we ain't never leave. So one no slaves in a history, one no slave ships, one no misery. Call me crazy, or isn't he? See, I fell asleep and I had a dream. It was